It is the near future, and you are arrested for digging for buried treasure in downtown Portland. This is some kick-ass Oregon history. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the Geeked Out History folks at orhistory.com. I'm your host, Andy Lindbergh, and under the guidance of resident historian Doug Kink Crispin, we profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. Today, we will be talking about some of the famous treasure legends in the Beaver State, including some that you may pass every day. The history of the Pacific Northwest is a history of an abundance of natural resources, ripe and ready for the taking by any man or woman unafraid of toil and sweat. You can look back to the Chinook Indians who harvested salmon and furs. The Hudson's Bay Company did much of the same, and great fortunes were made from the exploitation of these resources. American settlers soon came to the region with its rich black soil and free land, an agricultural existence could be eked out and a family could be supported. A virtual treasure to those who had become wage slaves in the industrial Northeast. Later, loggers and fishermen, miners and laborers came to make a decent living from the riches of Oregon's lands. There was tangible labor to be conducted, but it was transactional and real cold hard cash could be earned in the process. And then, dear ass kicker, there was the lure of easy, easy money. The first X on our treasure map comes from a treasure near our own City of Roses. That's right, a treasure hoard hiding inside of Little Beirut. An interesting article appeared in the Oregonian in May of 1924. Occupying our near Portland modifier, the writer explained how inmates at the Multnomah County Poor Farm, or today's McMenamin's Edgefield, had been captured by a weird vision from Portland's 90-year-old spiritualist, Madam Ferris. The medium had seen an old soldier who had acquired gold and other treasures in some undefined nefarious activity. Madam Ferris claimed that she had comprehended him burying this cash on the grounds of the poor farm. County wards, both men and women, grabbed rakes, shovels, picks, and even sharpened sticks and began gouging the ground at the facility. The excitement lasted for only about a day, and after several wards needed to be admitted to the hospital due to the exertion, the enthusiasm seemed to die off. No word on whether the treasure was found or not. So the next time you're out at the Edgefield, enjoying a cold rubinator, perhaps you too might want to do a little poking around.
A virtual nexus of treasure activity seems to be centered on Southwest Burnside and Broadway. No, not Mary's Club, silly. Although fortunes have been earned and spent at that venerable establishment. Some treasures of the gold variety. In fact, several hoards have been reported to have been cached at this general location. The first was in 1922, when workers were raising a building, formerly a saloon, on the northeast corner of 6th and Burnside. Rumors quickly spread that the laborers had found a tin containing $3,000 in gold. The workmen were devout members of the Apostolic Faith Mission, and apparently, due to their beliefs, were required to turn in the found fortune to the sect's leader, Mrs. Florence Crawford. Now, Mrs. Crawford stated that the story had been contorted by rumor spreaders. None of it was true. There was no fortune, see. It was all a mistake. The description of gold had been true. For yes, something gold was found. A single gold watch of standard manufacture. Not a tin full of coins or gold bars. Just a simple watch. Pay no attention to the sect leader behind the curtain. These aren't the droids you're looking for. The second story of a downtown Portland treasure hoard takes place on the park blocks between Burnside and Ankeny Streets in 1928. Two men approached Superintendent of Parks, C.P. Kaiser, and told him a tale of $40,000 being buried at that location many years ago. Assumingly, out of the kindness of his heart, Superintendent Kaiser agreed to assist the men in finding this trove, and even sent a park helper to do the digging, to assure that the park was not ruined by the excavation, of course. Oh, and yes, one other detail. They dug in the middle of the night. For two nights. The story goes that the loot was supposedly never found, and Mr. Kaiser never did get the names of the mysterious gentlemen, who were never heard from again. A story to chew on the next time you enjoy a chilled beverage at the tugboat. Our final treasure tale we want to highlight today is a tremendous one that had gripped treasure seekers several decades back. It's a fun one, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. In 1933, a Seattle judge by the name of Everett Smith died. His son was clearing out his affairs, and in his papers found a handwritten map. Nothing else in the judge's archives referenced the strange document. It was singular in obscurity. The map was drawn in blue ink on a piece of tracing cloth, 18 by 6 inches. Crude lettering stated, Portland Ore. Sims money is buried five feet deep at the two graves north from barn, ten foot east. Keep this chart till well. All have died. Port. Pike Road, two miles from Rum, Portland or Graves, $3,000. $3,000. To find. Old Sims died in the army, 1864. Keep chart. Chart off, Feb, 1862. And if that doesn't get your blood flowing, fellow ass-kicker, fuck off.
The chart featured a drawing of a settlement akin to Portland, with 11 buildings, the hills in the background, and maybe a small lake or pond. Two of the buildings have something like spires, and the leftmost of the spired buildings has a blue line stretching from it to the right and up, all the way across the chart. Along this line, the geographer, if we may use the term loosely, wrote, Pike Road, two miles from Rom Portland Ore, near the middle of the chart. Just above the line is a sketch of a house. A little past the house, just below the line, is a barn. And a wee bit past the barn are two parallel lines with the word graves. The geographer then chose to write in yellow, Feb 14, 1862, house, barn, big stump, orchard. We'll post a supposed copy of the map on our website, orhistory.com, but user beware, there are so many contradictions and seemingly half-truths to this tale that we are unable and unwilling to vouch for the authenticity of this curious document. Now, before you start grabbing picks and shovels like the folks at the poor farm and start digging up random graves across the city, let us discuss the case a moment. Difficult to tell in an audio recording, but the Sims name was spelled two different ways on the chart, S-I-M-S -S and S-I-M-E-S. -E Second, there is no Pike Road in Portland. Where Canyon Road is today, there used to be a great road made of wooden planks to help convey produce from the valley to the markets of Portland along a formerly muddy rut. This construction was appropriately called the Great Plank Road, and apparently some of the old-timers did call it the Pike Road. It's like something from the good, the bad, and the ugly and Blondie and Tuco Benedicto Pacifico Juan Maria Ramirez have found Sad Hill Cemetery, but it's in fucking Portland, Oregon. A Union, possibly Confederate soldier named Sims, buried with 6,000 1860s dollars. All you need to do is find the grave and perform a ghoulish, cadaverous task. But in what form is the Sims hoard money in? Yellowed old Confederate bills, tattered and moldy, worm-eaten and turning to dust, not worth the paper they are printed on? Unlikely, say, enthusiasts of this old puzzle. Dan Wheeler, who wrote a piece on the Portland treasure chart, states that in 1862, money was usually considered gold coinage and gold dust. Silver coins and paper money were regarded as undependable, according to Mr. Wheeler. In January of 1862, gold was valued at a little over $27 an ounce. So $6,000 would equate to roughly 219 ounces of gold. In May of 2011, at a price of nearly $1,500 an ounce, you can see that the Sims bounty would easily have a value of over $300,000. That's some significant scratch. Provided, of course, that Mr. Wheeler is correct, and we don't find a tin of moldy Confederate cash. While researching for this podcast, Kick-Ass Oregon History came across the name of Ronald Glutch in Ruby Hunt's 1971 book titled Treasure Hunting Northwest. Recently, 
historian Doug Kent Crispin had a chance to sit down with Mr. Glutch, who spent years looking for the treasures detailed in the chart. He had some interesting theories about the prize. Ronald, can you tell us just what you know about the chart? Well, basically just what's listed in, you know, Ruby Holt's Mines and Treasures of the Pacific Northwest and then the sequel book. But a lot of research, a lot of people have been looking into it. They, uh, it's contradictory in many cases, unless you know that the Plank Road is not, that's not a name, that's a thing. That it's the Great Plank Road and it's made of planks. But, and then the other thing is that you know what's going on at the time this, this is, chart was made was, you know, we started the Civil War and the federal troops were occupying Portland because Portland tried to go with the South. And who buried the treasure in your, you know, your estimation, your research, and what was the treasure itself? Well, as far as we know, uh, you know, the only name related to it is Sims or Symes. And I believe there's an, it rests another one who died in the Civil War, but I think both of them died in the Civil War. And they probably buried it trying to get it, you know, keep it away from the, from the federal troops before they fled the country. And you've spent quite a bit of time looking for the treasure. Oh, yes. Yeah. Follow the map or, or where, we, where we judge the map should start, which is roughly down around 3rd Street. And there used to be a marker up in the park blocks that showed where the, supposedly where the plank road started, but uh, I don't know if it's still there or not. I think it is, yeah. But uh, from there, we met, we marked it off several different ways, and we always ended up just beyond uh, the entrance to the new to the Portland Zoo. Up on top would be just about the right space, and there was an old farm in there. When even when I was a child, down in that that valley down there. But when they built the new highway, they pushed tons and tons of gravel and scree over everything. So I'm sure if it's the, if it's still it's still there, it's buried under about 20 feet of fill. Can you tell me a little bit, um, kind of, what, what type of a person looks for treasure? Is it somebody that <laughs> is interested in history? Is it somebody that uh, likes a good mystery? What Give, give me a little sense of uh, the mindset of someone who likes to look for treasure. Well, I'd say all of the above, and also someone who's on a quest. You know, a goal that you may not find it, but the, the process of looking for it is the important thing, not the finding. And does it get obsessive? It can. You know, some people, uh, we had a friend who was into the Neocani treasure chart, or treasure rocks, and he got so obsessive with it, he lost his family, lost his you know, job, ended up uh, living in a lean-to down there on the mountain looking for the treasure. So I guess that would be kind of a, a helpful hint to our listeners yeah. who might think about you taking mean, the chart. And might want to take a little that. easy. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. And do you think it's still there? Do you think it's still buried under Canyon Road? Or probably. Is, yeah. Probably, because yeah. there's been no report of it ever being found. Mm -hmm. At the time, also, you probably would have had several of the uh, Oregon's own state coinage might have been in there, which were the golden beavers. Mm -hmm. And if they were, they're so rare, they would have blown the, the numismatist market apart if they came on the market. Right. Well, that's all the questions I have, and I want to thank you very much for talking with us today. I, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Excellent. It's been thank fun you. to revisit, revisit all this. <laughs> thank you. So what do you say, dear ass kicker? 
Are you ready to build your own lean-to and live by the zoo while you hunt for gold and beavers? Or pick up a shovel and head over to the park box? You can always stop by Mary's Club for a drink. I hear they have golden beavers there, too. Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers. And be on the lookout for future podcasts from ORHistory.com. We hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Doug Kank Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Kick-Ass Oregon History is on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. We're also on the Facebook. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Want more Kick-Ass Oregon History in your life? Learn more at ORHistory.com. Just don't get too close to Mr. Kent Crispin. He's liable to show you his treasure trail. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. Seriously. Sorry about the golden beaver joke. I apologize. ORHistory.com